Welcome everyone to another episode of the Five Solas Podcast. This is your host, James Watkins, and I am joined this week by Frank Mullis. That's the that's the good reverend. The good Dude. reverend Frank Mullis, right. Dr. Good Reverend Mullis. Not, not yet. Not quite yet. Hopefully in a few months, right? No, about a year. Okay, so about a year. I'm a little off on my dates. I'm here with Frank Mullis. You'll remember him from a few weeks back. We discussed Christian suffering. Uh, there was a conference that was coming up on suffering with Striving for Eternity Ministries. And before we get into that, I am going to tell you how, at the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you how you can win two a free, free t-shirts. flying demon baby. <laughs> Andrew Rappaport, that is all for you. But I am going to tell you how to rent, win two free t-shirts and a hundred gospel tracts from Grace Alone Witness Apparel. So listen out to the end of this podcast for that information. And for those of you who want one, we'll find out how to give you a flying demon baby as well. <laughs> Uh, but as I said, I'm here with Frank Mullis again this week. Last time we really discussed what Christian suffering is. And Frank, I think this week we want to uh, discuss the actual theology behind suffering, right? Yes, I was going to give a synopsis of uh, both of my talks that I did at the uh, conference. Uh, Justin Peters, myself, Colleen Sharp, and Joe Suazo, we spoke on uh, developing a theology of suffering. And the conference, you know, I, I jokingly called it SufferCon, but it was it a, caught on. A, yes, a, a sanctification of basically sanctification through suffering. And so we developed a, a strong theology of suffering and went through several uh, talks. I, I did uh, the opening with a right theology of suffering. Justin Peters covered James uh, and Daniel and discussed suffering. Joe Suazo, he, he pulled uh, several things from his um, time in India and uh, had, a, had an excellent sermon, a topical sermon. And, and Colleen, she was with the women, so I don't know what she talked about. So, so I, 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 But I heard it was an excellent talk that she gave. Well, I heard that uh, she's pretty sharp. That kind of yeah, coincides pretty, with her yeah, name. She's, yep, she's pretty sharp. <laughs> and so it, it was an excellent conference. We had a little over 50. It seemed to be the perfect size. Andrew and I were we're talking. It was basically people who were lear- there to learn to help people going through suffering, and then there were those who, who were suffering that were at the conference, and we were able to uh, answer a lot of questions, and and so it, it was a good time. Yeah. So I know uh, you and I, we've gone um, to the G3 conference pretty much for the last three years. I missed out on this past year. But um, one of the things that I found through the conferences is actually not necessarily the speakers. I mean, with the crowd on this being the first one that you guys have had, actually the one-on-one interaction, kind of the small group interaction. So what uh, what did you guys find as far as the people there, the conversations that you had? What I found was there there were several people who were there who ran programs that deal anywhere from mommy groups to divorce care. There were pastors there, and they wanted to be able to better help those who come right. into their programs to help them deal with a lot of the problems and sufferings that they go through or their families are going through. And then there were several people who had uh, questions about things that they were going through or a family member were going through their lives, and uh, it, it was just a good, good time that we were able to help, uh, I believe, several people a lot of good responses came in through the striving for eternity email and we were able to uh, reach back out to them as well awesome so i think kind of a misconception and i want to go ahead and let's uh let's kind of clear it up right now is uh you know so far on the podcast i did my testimony you know we did christian suffering talked a lot about depression things like that there is a lot more ways that we can suffer other than just having 
depression, you know, such as uh, such as life circumstances in that manner. You know, one of uh, my jujitsu students today, he said that uh, when he was visiting Ireland, and he said that the Gaelic people there deal with suffering in a different way. He says people in America is I'm I'm depressed, I'm suffering. The Gaelic people were were a little different. He said he says suffering is upon me. Or depression is upon me, so they viewed it as an outside force versus Internal. internalizing it. And I thought that was that was kind of interesting. And it seems to be that a lot of times we do internalize our suffering instead of realizing that it is from the outside. Because we as Christians we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, right? So it's kind of hard for us to be going through those things without the Holy Spirit aiding us and in, in dealing with those things, right? And I mean, the Spirit does guide us into all truth, right? So let's get a little bit into this. This theology of suffering. I'm looking over here, kind of at your at your PowerPoint, and I see a kind of a key word on there, and that is you do not want us to be uninformed. So that's kind of the purpose of this: is we really want to inform others on the theology of sufferings. Yeah, I, I think first of all, we need to have a right theology of suffering, and and that's where. I, I really came with my premise about suffering is that we as Christians, a lot of times, we have a wrong theology of suffering. And Paul tells us in Thessalonians that he doesn't want us to be uninformed. In the context here, he's talking about death and grieving, but he says that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. And so I think in that context, and Justin Peters and I talked about it, that context includes grieving, probably includes suffering that you're going through through the grieving process, and may uh, really the other parts of our life where we start experiencing suffering. So in a sense, he's really saying is we sh- as Christians should deal with suffering differently than than those on the outside, right? those who have no hope. right? And we have the hope of glory. And that was one of the things that I kept emphasizing is we as Christians have to remember that that whatever suffering we're experiencing now is a temporary suffering because we have hope. Now, would you also say that it's kind of fair to say that perhaps one of the reasons why we're so uninformed regarding suffering is because we are pretty much, in in a large sense, uninformed of who God is and who we are in Christ? Well, I, I take this as um, if you look at, at atheism and those who attack Christianity and the problem of evil, which mm-hmm. we have to develop what is called theodicy, you know, uh, and, and theodicy is basically how do we explain the goodness of God, the rightness of God, the knowledge of God, all of these things, and how do we kind of defend God? And, and first of all, God doesn't need defending by no means. He doesn't. And so, uh, but it's but developing a, a theology of suffering or evil that we are able to defend, right, defend, as Peter would say, is that we are able to defend the hope that is in us. Right. So we ha- we we do have to have an understanding and a right theology of suffering, or we're going to probably suffer like others do that are on the outside. So, and I think this really goes back to, and I'm, I'm seeing it again, kind of with your notes, is that whenever we are suffering, whenever we are kind of having that that downward spiral, be it life circumstances, a depression, whatever you want to call it, is it really because we're not seeing God in the greatness that that He actually is? Yeah, if we, 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 we you remember the blessing, God is great, God is good. Yeah, that that's really what atheists are attacking in the problem of evil uh, to some sense. It, it, is look, the first premise that we have to develop in a right theology is the omnipotence of God. Mm-hmm. We 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 have to understand God is great. God is in control. God is sovereign. Uh, Justin Peters in his talk in Daniel, he talked about the sovereignty of God in in bringing them to Babylon and what they went through. And that we understand that whatever the suffering or problems or evil that's going on in our lives or in the world, God is sovereign. 
and so that God is great. And, and again, Job thirty six twenty six. And if you go to Job, you're going to see suffering uh, all over the place, uh, suffering all <laughs> over that. And, and Job questioning, questioning, and people questioning Job. And behold, God is great, and we know Him not. The number of His years is unsearchable. And you know, and that's speaking of not only the eternality of God, the unknowability of God, and the uh, and the omnipotence of God, and, and in comparison of who we are. Let's talk about a, a little bit more on the sanctification process here. You right. know, we, we talked about that's really what the basis of the conference was, was uh, suffering and how that produces through your sanctification, uh, which is you becoming more in the image of Christ. So exactly how are Christians sanctified through suffering, be it any kind of suffering? Well, here, here's the question, and I've been going and, and really debating this uh, recently in the, in the idea of sanctification. And the question is, is that, Jesus Christ suffered for us greatly so that we do not have to suffer. So the sanctification process is us understanding who God is, right, and who we're not. Right. It is what Jesus did for us and what we don't do for ourselves. And so sanctification process is, is understanding, I think, understanding more and more about God and understanding who we are in Christ and, and the justification process and in the, in the imputation of Christ of Christ's righteousness to us. I think all of that kind of sustains us in times of suffering and problems and evil and in our own sinfulness. And, you know, we have a very temporal view of things as well. Um, move, moving a little bit more into who God is exactly is, you know, we, we respond to it differently on each individual circumstance, of course, whether it's anger, confusion, but really not having that understanding that truly this is not surprising God whatsoever. No, no, you know, I think it's R.C. Sproul's books surprised by suffering yeah <laughs> and, and so that, and, and throwing books out there that's an excellent book for you to get and read and i always would recommend rc sproul in in uh in that book it's, a, it's an excellent read you know the second premise that that i gave is not only is god great but god knows it all you know they they attack the omniscience of god in that well god, if god truly knows god knows all things certainly he knows i'm suffering doesn't he so right. why doesn't he come to my help you know, the Bible doesn't say he's a very, what, present yeah, help yeah. in times of trouble. Well, it doesn't seem that way for, for some of the guys like Job or, or David, and, and they begin to question God, don't they? Right. I'll, and and I'll so the, the problem is is that God knows and we don't, right? right? And, 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 and that, that's it. God intervenes when God intervenes because he's God. And it and it's look it's for his glory of why we are, we are going through these things a lot of times and and I'll get to that in just a few minutes as we we uh, progress through this um, but you know God knows it all Psalm one forty seven five and I asked several several people at the conference to give me a good omniscient verse that shows God's omniscient without looking at this one James can you give me a, an omniscient verse that would show God's omniscience not off the top of my head to be honest with <laughs> that's what that's what everybody said. Uh, Psalm one forty seven five. God is our Lord, or great is our Lord. So that automatically goes not only to His omnipotence and abundant in power, right? So He's all powerful, His greatness, but His understanding is beyond measure. He knows all things. But see, one of the things that we often get, and and we we find this, uh, is that God not only knows all things, He's directing all things. 
He's in control right. of all things. It's not just God knows him. And you, you, you've got to be careful a lot of times because you, you end up into all kind of wonky theology when you start limiting God's knowledge and you end up in process theology open theism. and open theism and, and all these other bad, bad theologies. And that's one of the things that, that leads suffering in, in a bad direction. Look, if God's not in control, then chaos is. Yeah, we've got a problem. Yeah, chaos is in trouble. I'd much rather... Much rather trust in a good God, a great God, an all-knowing God to handle my problems than believe that there's chaos in this world that's in control of it. Well, guys, we are getting started. We have got some pretty good information there so far, so stick with us. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Robert here, co-host of Growth Project Radio, and I want to tell you about Grace Alone Witness Apparel. This ministry is dedicated to providing you with biblical apparel and gospel tracks to help start conversations for the gospel. They firmly believe that it is the responsibility of all Christians to be obedient to the command to preach the gospel. And they want to help you to do that in any way that they can. They have many designs that are bold and biblical that are sure to spark conversation for the gospel to the glory of God. They also do custom work as well as bulk orders for all needs from personal to ministry to outreach. They can take care of you. Visit gracealonewa.com for more information. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Five Souls Podcast. We are still here with almost the Dr. Frank Mullis. We are moving on into the actual theology of suffering. Again, uh, Striving for Eternity Ministries just had a conference on this very topic, the sanctification through suffering. So, Frank, often whenever someone is suffering, let's move a little bit more into this. Whenever someone is often suffering, even for believers, non-believers will say, well, if God is all good, then there would be no suffering. Christians sometimes can even have that mentality, well, is God truly good because what I'm going through is so bad? Yeah, you'll, you'll hear that big word, omnibenevolent, right? Yeah, benevolent. And basically, is God's all good, right? And, and, the, and the question is, is God all good in the context of what we think of goodness? Right. Right. No one's good but God, Jesus said. And, and of course, that wasn't a attack on his own. It was rhetorical. Body. Yeah, it was rhetorical. It was not, a, not in his own uh, goodness because Jesus, of course, is God. So we, we have um, an understanding of God's good. And, and Jesus said that. Why, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And look, if we trust, first and foremost, that God is the only one who is good, right, in, the, in this universe, that means all of us are less than good. That plays into my, you know, my solving of how even Matt Slick and I have a very similar solution philosophically to the problem of evil in, in that in that context. But the issue is God is great, God is good, and we know that He is moving all things toward His end and His purpose for our good to those who what believe and are called right. according to His purpose. Mm-hmm. So, look, not all things that happen to us are good. There's a lot of a lot of bad things happen. To you, to me, to our wives, to our children, we, we know that. But it's not God's goodness, right, that, that is the problem here. A lot of times it's the goodness of, you know, the, or the lack thereof of the goodness of man, right, right that is causing these problems. <laughs> and usually pretty open on the podcast about the things that are going on. You know, I just mentioned that uh, Shelby and I, my wife, we are right smack in the middle of moving. We actually got most everything unpacked. But uh, prior to that, we kind of had a little bit of a rocky road before we got moved. And you quoting. You were eating a lot of ice cream. Yeah, I love ice cream, as you can tell. Uh, but Frank would quote the uh, the verse in Romans about God is working all things out to the good for those. 
those who love him. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, I really don't want to hear this right now. It's like, we're going through a lot. And then sure enough, everything works out to our good. And then, uh, just last, uh, Towards the I, end I love I love I love Calvinists who who don't believe in Calvinism. Yeah, we're we're more we honestly we we're more in line with open theism than we are with uh, Calvinistic with, theology. I, I don't want to hear about this goodness of God when bad things are happening to me. And, and then you know whenever everything worked out, I was like you know it, it, everything has always worked out to the good. Didn't seem like it was at the time. Uh, Shelby had something happen this past week, mm-hmm. and you know I was a, and I guess I've been more sanctified through the through the suffering aspect mm-hmm. because I told her I was like, well, if you trust God and you know all things working out for those who love Him then you pretty much know that uh that God is good. Well, in premise 4, this is the this is where uh, we we I find myself in some theological differences with some uh, who are superlap versus infralap? I, I know, mm-hmm. especially in the Calvinist camp, I, I've kind of end up in the infralap. But I, I truly, I understand the superlap, and I'm, I, I'm just, I'm just not, not there. Because so you're, you're speaking of infralapsarianism, which is super superlap. It, it really depends on where God ordained salvation before the fall or after the fall, right? And or in light of the fall, you know, and and of course chronology. Is, is an issue, but you know, again, uh, a lot of people who are who are reformed, they believe in decrees. So there, there yeah. seems to be kind of hyper decree. Yeah, in a way, yeah, right? yeah. So I mean, we we, we deal with decrees. So um, it really boils down to God is not the author of evil, and, and that's that's it. Now, look, primary, secondary causes, and we can get into you know debate and philosophical issues of what is you know first and secondary causes and things things of that nature but james 1 13 and this is where where justin also and, and i just want to throw this out the audio for the conference is going to be coming out on the rap reports uh with andrew he's 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 re uh he's modifying there was some sound technical difficulties but he's he's modifying and so all of the talks i believe are going to come out on the rap report over the next uh, few months. Okay, and we'll make so, sure we link those for you guys who are listening that want to hear that. We'll make sure to link that into the podcast uh, on post on Facebook for you. And in James one thirteen, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he tempts no one. You know, now now God tests us. <laughs> yeah, we, we've seen that uh, He does test us, but this is the message that we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And that's First John one five. So look, look when when evil comes, God is allowing it. Now the now the question is is how much is He directing it? I mean, obviously Satan went to went to God and said, Hey, look at Job. You know, you, the only reason Job's got all these things is because you bless him. I tell you what, if you stop blessing him and you let me do what I want to to him, and God said, Go ahead, except you can't take his life. Right. Right. So He was still controlling Satan. And it shows that what God is sovereign over the devil. And guess what? As Martin Luther said, the guy he's God's devil, right? Right. And and we see that God sends lying spirits. We we see that uh, with Saul. And so God God is in a sense He does direct it in some way. But we know in such a way, and we go to all the major confessions are going to say in such a way that He is not the author of evil. Right. And these are really uh, the. The premises that you're actually going over right now, I mean, we're, we're talking about in the context of Christ, Christian suffering, but this is also, it sounds like the same thing that we're confronted with by atheists or for non-believers is that God is the author of evil. Why can't you believe anymore? He's the author of evil. So it seems well, like all of, these premises are presuppositional. Right. God is great. God is good. God is all-knowing. God is not the author of evil. And with these premises, these are sound truths. 
So first of all, what you have to do is whenever a theology, your theology of suffering is attacked, they're going to attack God himself. Right. And so when you have a sound theology of inerrancy, infallibility, and obviously the sufficiency of Scripture. One of the biggest issues within the church. So the sufficiency of Scripture. So we know that Scripture is sufficient to deal with our suffering. And and and, and again, as we develop this theodicy um, that that we have is defending God's goodness in in the light of evil. Look, it's difficult. I'm not saying saying is 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 not difficult. We we deal with all all manners of evil, right? But but remember, we are dealing with powers of darkness, high places, and all of those all of those elements in the world that are seeking to destroy our Christian worldview. Right. And not to mention that we're also dealing with fallen people on a daily basis. <laughs> on, a, on, a, <laughs> on a very daily basis. Look, it, we, we encounter two types of evil. We, we encounter moral evil, and we pretty much know what moral evil is. It's all right. the people uh, that break those commandments. <laughs> right. Right. All, right. All of them, right? So they break them on a daily basis. Guess what? We do too. So we're even encountering it within ourselves. So we're dealing with evil on a constant basis. And and one of the things that Paul points us to in Philippians is that one of the things that helps us is, look, as we get older and we experience more and more sin, more and more evil, two, th- two things are going to happen. Uh, one is we're, we're going to hope for death. <laughs> yeah, true that. <laughs> and, and, and number two, we're going we're gonna to hate sin more. Right. Right. So that that's right. as our process as we grow uh, in Christ and, and travel down the road. Two things is that, man, even so, Lord, come. Right. We see that with Paul. And number two, man, sin's really awful. Yeah, I do the things that I do not mm-hmm. want to do. Yeah. And, and but, but here's the thing. Another thing Paul says, Paul says in Philippians, and I'll talk about this in my, my sermon tomorrow, is that, hey, but guess what? I'll stay here if I can win more for the kingdom. And and so that that's the issue is that we're willing to deal with suffering, we're dealing with 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 the moral evil of people. And then look, we go through natural evil too. The evil that originates independently of human actions such as diseases, you know, um, earthquakes, uh, storms, droughts, tornadoes. You know, we we, we deal with the, the natural evil. Um, and, you know, a lot of times they call those quote-unquote acts of God, but they're really not because they're the result of a fallen world. Right, and Anthony Silvestro will be thrilled once again this is the second time we've done this, but that goes back to Genesis, Genesis 3. Right, right, Genesis 3. <laughs> so as, as we, we, we talk about a theology of suffering, the, the question of why, why does God allow right. suffering? And that's always the big question. Yeah, why? Why? You know, and we see it in the philosophers from Epicurus, who seems to be one of the the Greek philosophers who asked the question. Leibniz, he he asked the question. So Leib, Leibniz is asking the question: If if God were all powerful and all knowing and all good, then this world would be the best of all possible worlds. And he kind of believed in that this is the best of all possible worlds. And he was made fun of by Voltaire in one of one of his books. And the one of the characters in there was was supposedly uh, supposed to be Leibniz, and all these bad things. Things were happening to the character, <laughs> and every time the bad thing would happen, he would go, well, at least this is the best of all possible worlds. Right. Right. <laughs> so throwing shade at Yeah, it. throwing shade. And look, Darwin asked the question. Oh, man. You um, want to talk about a contradiction yeah. there. But but Hume, David Hume is, is the philosopher probably who made made uh, the, the, the attack on Christianity most famous. If, is he willing to prevent evil but not able, then he's impotent. If he is able but not willing, then he is, he is malevolent. Is he, if he is both able and willing, whence then is evil? In other words, why? If there's evil, why? Why? 
You know, if there's a God and there's evil, why? He must not be what y'all say he is. And so, you know, that that's the issue. Is is that the the problem of evil attacks all all basically the four premises that I set forth up. So if you remember and you hold on to, look, I don't care what you attack. I know God is good. I know He's all knowing. I know He's all powerful. I know that He's not the author of evil. Right. So if you basically learn to defend those four premises, because that's the four premises that the world constantly attacks. So. One of the things that the world does that really messes with the Christian's theology of suffering is it gives us a bunch of cheap solutions. Right. Right, cheap solutions. This this is your best life now. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's you a know, good one. The, the the four spiritual laws. God's got a wonderful plan for your life. Right. right? So if you, you have these cheap solutions and that's what you believe, you believe that you're supposed to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, that 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 theology, then then is really going going to, to mess with you. Look you know, um, Christian science, it gives you evils and illusion uh, until somebody punches you in the face and you realize it's, it's real, it, right? It hurts pretty bad. Yeah, it hurts pretty bad. Another thing is that God God is uh, so much smarter than us <laughs> that, that we, we just we can't uh, figure out what, what's evil right. right, and what's good. We, we really can't delineate that. Or God's morality and moral judgment is so vastly superior to ours that what seems immoral to us is, in fact, okay in God's superior moral judgment. Wow. Right? <laughs> That's a slippery slope. Yeah, it very is. Then, you know, again, we're made in God's image. Right. right? We have a conscience. We're able to make some determinations of what's evil and what's not based on what? God's word. Right. We're, we've been given God's word. You know, here, here's another one we hear. Well, que sera, sera, all's well that ends well. Yeah. Right? And and we, we end up with that um, that moral philosophy that, uh, hey, it, it's going to be good in the end. Right. Well, you know, that that's justifying, you know, we can justify abortion like that, is that, hey, the more abortions we have, the less crime we're going to have. That, right. That, right. That's, that's one of the things. We talked about that on the uh, the Modern Holocaust episodes that we did is somebody made an argument from population control, and then you run yeah. into a, a, a criminal a, control. Yeah, you do. Um, and, and, and so, look, there, there's even you can, you can even make it from Christianity. If you, if you hold to babies, all babies go to heaven, then abortion is sending people that that's the that most might merciful have, thing that you can that's do. That's the most merciful thing, and so that's the problem with with this kind of cheap, you know, solution to that. And then look, here's here's the old one: the devil made me do it. Ah, that's yeah, a, that's a favorite, right? The, the the devil made me do it. Well, didn't God make the devils? <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean. And and so we, I've always said this, and 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 uh, I, I, my my Pentecostals brothers and sisters, they they uh, they they tend to um, put put a put a demon behind every bush. Oh yeah. Justin Peter says, I want to know who that guy is that keeps binding these demons and why, then letting them loose. Why does he keep letting them loose? <laughs> letting them loose, right? So um, the devil gets blamed for a lot of stuff he doesn't do. Yeah, and on top of that, he's not <laughs> yeah. all present in the yeah, way that God is. So. Look, you know, and then here, here's the thing. A lot of evil arises from human action, so God should not be blamed, right? And, and, that, and that's the issue, is that, look, moral evil is, is largely done by man, yeah. right? And this kind of moves into the uh, free that, – that can kind of go into the free will argument. Yes. The free, as a matter of fact, I just had that free will argument um, put upon me, you know, and I, I as a friend of mine, and so I, I really didn't delve into that argument, you right. know. I just, I just kind of let it, let it go. Yeah. So here's a question, James. Let me ask you this: Why does God allow so much suffering? To His glory. 
Yes, <laughs> very good. <laughs> because the first premise, I, I'm going to make an argument, as you develop your theology of suffering, is go to John 9, 1 through 3. Some suffering is for God's glory. Right. Right? You know, there was a theology of the Pharisees that, that was out there, and it has a specific theological name that I cannot recall to save my life. But it basically was, you, you're suffering because your parents did some sinful act. Right. right. And the disciples believed that, too, to a degree. And they said, Jesus, why is this man blind? Was it something his father or mother did? He says, nope, so that I can receive glory. So God can receive glory, right? So the works of God might be displayed in him. Number two, here's one for you. Did you know some suffering produces joy? Wow, we need to let a few of our friends and all know about that. Some suffering produces joy. Well, read Philippians, and Paul's writing it from the Roman prison, <clears throat> yeah. right? And he, and he uses joy uh, 16 times, joy or rejoice, through through the book of Philippians, 16 times while he's locked up. Honestly, uh, a lot, I know a lot of people's life verses, uh, what is it, Philippians 4.12, where he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him, right. is that that's really being written in the context of him enduring a lot of suffering. You mean it's not in the context of me being able to score, score a, 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 a touchdown? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> maybe so, but, you know, uh, I had somebody mention that to me, and I was like, well, I wouldn't recommend that you use that life verse as a means for you to stand on top of a house and hope to fly. Right. Because obviously that's not going to work out too well. Right. Um, Psalm 35, for his angers, but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And aren't we more joyful when the suffering passes? Oh, yeah, all the time. And all so, the time. How, how about this one? Uh, some suffering can produce rejoicing. Rejoicing. Colossians one twenty four. Now I rejoice what? In my sufferings. For your what? sake for whose sake that was the sake of the colossians <laughs> right, right right and in my flesh i am filling up what is lacking in christ of christ's afflictions for the sake of the body that is the church right and so look we we may rejoice in our suffering sometimes and didn't then the apostles they counted it all blessings that, well right? that, that was in the book of acts that they right, were rejoicing exactly. that, that they could suffer for the name of the lord james you should let me beat you up so you can rejoice yeah. <laughs> let, let's pass on that one but i tell you what well let, let's talk a little bit more about suffering and how that works out for us uh we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with you hey i'm daryl and i'm here with my wife karen what's up and we're the host of the what are we even doing here podcast the podcast that seeks to answer the question that we all ask, what are we even doing here? We cover topics such as marriage, family, life, and living a Christian life in this crazy world. We don't have all the answers, but we know where to look. Subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on SoundCloud as we seek the kingdom of God and find out what we are even doing here. Grace and peace. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Five Solas Podcast. I am here with Frank Mullis, and we are speaking on the theology of suffering, and we're just going to move right back into this. Frank, how does suffering work for our good? Look, Romans eight twenty eight. We we love that verse, right? Oh, we, yeah. We've misused that verse in so many <laughs> occasions, but look, all suffering ultimately works for your good if you love God and you are called according to his purpose. I like to say the reverse of that. Look, if you don't love God... God doesn't and love he's you. not and he hasn't <laughs> called you um, all things are working for your damnation right right I mean and that's, you mean that, God uh, doesn't love all people without exception well there is some there's some verses there that, that kind of speak to that that God hates a lot of people uh, um, and he's, he's Poor de- Esau. you know this desperately wicked and so we know look at this I, I love how, how Paul says we know and how We're, do we know? 
Well, because the Bible tells you there so, you right? There you go. Right. So it's, it's important to understand that for those who are called according to his purpose, right? And what is his purpose? What is God's purpose? That's really the question, right? Right. And his purpose is what? To bring about his His eternal plan, his right? Right. So as we know, all these things are working together for good. Look, all things are not good. And that's one of the problems is, look, when we're going through suffering, it's bad, right? It, right. it really is. Sin, sin is not good in, in, in any form. It's, it's not good. It, it's, it's fun for a season, right? But, but it brings about death. Wages for the, of sin is death. Is, that's exactly right. How about number five? Some suffering produces endurance. Wow, that's a big one right there. Um, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So if we've been justified, we have peace. What do we have before justification? Uh, we were by nature children of wrath. wrath right. We were in enmity uh, <laughs> right. with God, right? So with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace now which we stand and look we rejoice in hope of the glory of god now that sounds very much like what he said in thessalonians earlier right, right. very Is that similar we rejoice in the hope of glory and and that's what we we have to maintain in our theology of suffering is that we have the hope of glory so no matter what we're going through in this temporal life it is going to end right right suffering's going to end Right. You know, if you're going through cancer, you're going through depression, whatever it is, at some point, whether it's 70, 80, 90 years, it's going to end, and right. you're going to go into the hope of glory. Right. You know, Martin Luther, he suffered. Paul suffered. You know, uh, it seems to be the theme the, with, the, with theme. the great men of our faith, faith is that they suffer. Well, here, here's my theory of that. And I think this starts with my reading of the book, The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. Yes, fantastic. And, and, and if we look at Isaiah, who was the holiest man in, in all of Israel during that time, in the year King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And the angels were there. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And Isaiah was ripped to pieces. Right. And so my theory with this, if you take Martin Luther, who was, I think, during that time, was a very, was close with God. Right. And, and he, he was realizing who he was in light of God. Charles Spurgeon suffered immensely. Yes, he did. With, with depression. And, and guess what? He was probably a pretty holy man, was he not? Oh, yeah. I, I was much uh, well, holier than me. Well, well <laughs> but see, that's the, that's, the, that's the problem. I don't think he was any holier than us because, look, we, we are wearing the rope of Christ. Right. It's, and not, so, it's not like his rope but, was wider than mine. Right. It's exactly right. And so here, here it is, is that I think his theology of the holiness of God drew him closer in, right. that, in that sense. And that's why he's depressed, because he realized who God was right. and who he wasn't. And I think that's one of the reasons. Seventy percent of all pastors suffer from depression. Seventy percent. Yeah. And, and many pastors attempt suicide. And why is that? Is because I, I think that there there is this this understanding of the holiness of God, and 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 we're not right, and and I think that that's that's an issue. But but let's let's go on with this verse. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and enduring endurance produces what character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to the shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So it does seem that suffering helps us in our sanctification. And I think in the temporal sense that we kind of have a hard time seeing that whenever we're going through the suffering. Um, and, and Frank, just kind of going back to what you said as far as pastors dealing with depression, um, on our podcast page, I've been doing a lot of polls lately. 
And I said that I was just wanting to kind of use some of these on the podcast as, as a fo- focus of discussion, maybe not on this episode, but um, it's interesting that you bring it up with, mo- with most, most pastors suffering through depression. Um, I asked that on one of the polls, have you ever battled depression? And it was pretty overwhelming. 74% of the people said yes, 26% no. And for the 26% that have not, praise God and hallelujah, because it is not a good place to be. Um, so we'll we'll make more episodes on these polls going forward, but let's really go into the graciousness of God. Look, suffering is gracious in the sight of the Lord. It, it's not like God doesn't see our suffering. It, it, it seems he's challenged a lot in the book of Psalms, right? Right by, by by David. It definitely. seems it seems that um, so a few of the others. You know, question God. Job, obviously, right. and 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 that was one of the questions: is did Job sin when he began to question God? Because God God answered him That's pretty. A good question. You know, God God answered him pretty uh, pretty sternly. But notice what um, when David asked those questions, Moses. Remember Moses, Moses. Moses challenged God on several. And remember what Moses said. Wait a minute, God. If you do that, how are people in Egypt going to? What are these people going to say? What are they gonna, God? You can't do that. So it was almost as if God wanted, in some sense, and and, I, and I'm real careful with that that language, but that's human language. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, sure. Blasphemy. Sure. I mean, that's the only way as a human that I, I can kind of kind of understand this is that God says, "Stand back, I will show you." And so when you're going through suffering, it seems that God, where are you? Right. Um, and, and and that's what I was kind of challenging you on, you and you and Shelby, as you're going through this. I said, God's going to show you. Yeah. yeah, and then within weeks you had a house and you and you had a new job. Yeah, and you know it's it's almost to the point where we're where we are. It's kind of, I'm I'm not gonna say necessarily rebellion, but it's kind of rebellion to where pretty much we're looking at God. Okay, God, show us what you can do. Right, Pro- prove it to me, God, as if He has something that He has to prove to me. Right, and I mean it's not tempting God. We're we're not tempting Him. Right, but in a sense, he tests us, and do we test God? That that's, that's that is good, the question. That 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 is that's, that, the that's the question of it. And look, what would it's easy for me to tell you, James? Hey, Romans eight twenty eight, buddy. Yeah, it really but, is. But but for the last couple of weeks, I've been going through <laughs> things, and, and and I've been I've been on the other side, and you, you, you've been thinking, yeah, Frank, Romans eight twenty eight, there, buddy. So just to give you all a little bit of context, uh, so Shelby and I, we had to pack up and move on the, the house that we were in. They decided that they up and wanted to sell it. They didn't want to uh, lease anymore because they were too far away so me and shelby my wife we went through straight panic mode well there's nothing in the area what are we going to do and then wouldn't you know it uh, i went uh, for, for what would you say about a year and a half now i have been just like desperately praying for god to provide like a new job that was closer to home that was out of the industry that, that would I let you in, off on the weekends that would let me off on the weekends and wouldn't you know it that at the same exact time that we're having to try and find a house we find a house and get right up there uh with a new job that's been a blessing so far how about this first first peter two twenty b and, and 21 suffering is gracious in the sight of the lord but if when you do good and suffer for it you endure. This is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. So what does that mean? Are we called to suffering, James? That seems, that, that seems sense, like yeah. what Peter's. For this you have been called because who suffered? And there's your reasoning right there. Because Christ also suffered for you. Take up your cross and what? Follow me. Now, what, what is that cross? Was it, was it, what, uh, it, it, seems, we, it seems in some way it can be suffering. <laughs> of suffering and shame, was it not? That, it. The old rugged cross, that, that, that famous hymn says it all. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in 
his, his steps. steps. What's, what's the example of how to suffer? And, and I think that's part of it. Number seven. Did you know you were blessed when you suffered, James? Um, it would, looking at it in hindsight now, absolutely. Whenever you're going through it, I don't think it's necessarily so clear, but it should be because we're told that in the scripture. Peter goes on to say, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes up. James, you were surprised. Yeah, I was surprised. <laughs> God wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but but it says, do not be surprised, but you were surprised. I I, I tell you, I, I was really surprised at some of the things I was going you through. You were shocked. Yeah, I was <laughs> shocked. But rejoice insofar as you share in Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. And there's a big one right there is actually having his his glory revealed in your circumstance. Beatitudes, man. Jesus told us the same thing that Peter's telling us. You know why Peter's saying this? Because he was there when Jesus said it. You know, blessed are you when you're reviled. Persecuted yeah, for my name's sake. sake. Yeah, all, all of those things. Great is your reward. Yeah. Not necessarily on this earth, but in heaven. Hey, how about this one? Uh, Paul tells Timothy, guess what? Suffering's part of life, right? Just suffer, right? Yeah. I mean, you're going to do it. My persecution and suffers that happened to me at Antioch and at Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I, what? Endured. endured. Yet, and, that, and that was during his, uh, to the church's Galatia. Yeah, yeah, from them all the Lord, what? Rescued me. Look. He's either going to rescue you now or, or later, or later, right? One or the other. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, will, will be not might be, yep. will be, right? And uh, number nine, look, we go. We started off uh, with God being all powerful and in control, the sovereignty of God. Look, Job one twenty one, Job two ten. It simply says, "The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Best blessed be the name of the Lord." You speak as one of those foolish women. Now, I didn't say that. I, I didn't say women were foolish. Job is saying this. Foolish women. Give context you, there. You should speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God, and shall we not receive evil? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. So this is important. We tend to only turn to God a lot of times when we're suffering. When things are going right in our life, everything's dandy. We got the new car. We got the new house. We got the new job, James. Yeah. Um, you don't. You you may not be what rejoicing so much as you do when you're going through suffering and you come out of it. Right. And so look. Understand, no matter what suffering you're going through, God is in control. And and that, and that starts with the premise that, that we go to. Look, here, here's a couple of my go-to answers, James. Uh, John Newton, the, the hymn writer, Amazing Grace, one of the pastors uh, of, of history, uh, John Newton, I have reason to praise him only. I'm sorry, I have reason to praise him for my trials, for most probably I should have been ruined without them. Well, that's powerful. Yeah, I mean, think about that. In, in other words, it's made me the man who I am. Right. Uh, if, if I hadn't gone through them, what, what would that have done to me? Right. So is he saying there that he has been sanctified through his trials? It, it seems seems to be. How about this one? And, and this, this is one, uh, misanthropy. It's that big word. Why do bad things happen to good people, James? Well, there are no good people. Yeah, R.C. Sproul. <laughs> Uh, I remember when I first heard him say that, why do bad things happen to good people? Well, that only happened once, and he volunteered, <laughs> right? Look, there's no one good but God. Right. If you start with that premise and understanding, and you, you think that you're too good to suffer, you're in the wrong business, right? Cause right. It, because we, we just heard you will suffer persecution if you're a Christian. We're not to be surprised, but we are to suffer differently. And understanding it, don't think you're better than anybody, that you're too good to go through suffering. Right now, how do how do we um, 
reconcile this with obviously for those that love God, the things that are happening um, is aiding in our sanctification, our trials and tribulations. How do we, uh, when pressed with the question, okay, well, I'm not a believer, but bad things happen to me. I mean, it pretty much goes back to the thing, same thing. Well, bad things don't necessarily happen to good people. They happen to bad people. Well, here, here's one of the things that my seminary professor uh, said this, uh, and this is one of his responses. And, and there's um, another quote that I use, uh, and I can't pronounce the guy's name, and I'm not going to attempt to, but he basically said this, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds, and it were necessarily only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being, (laughs) and who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? And I'm just reading it right here. It's Alexander (laughs) Solzhenitsyn is what I'm getting. (laughs) Yeah, Solzhenitsyn, yeah. And, and it, yeah, I mean, good luck pronouncing that last. I can, I can pronounce the first one. It's obviously, it looks Russian. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but, but basically, in other words, if you want evil to end, do you really want him to take you? Yeah. <laughs> and, and so most, most people. But look, the Christian, here's the Christian response God is good. God is great. He's all knowing. He's not right. the author of evil. So if God is all powerful, we know he can defeat evil. Right. So absolutely. If God is all loving and good, he will defeat evil, right? Right. Well, you know that. Therefore, evil will be defeated in God's own time and own way. You mean to tell me that people like John Hagee can't predict when that's going to be? Uh, there was a blood moon the other It was a, last night. There was yeah, a blood it was a blood moon. moon. Uh, blood, blood, blood I was moon. laying in bed, and he was telling me, go go look at the moon. It was yeah, awesome. I'm yeah, like, I said, the uh, world's uh, about to end, James. You, I want you to know it. <laughs> well, I'm ready. <laughs> hey, Revelation 21, 4, since we're bringing that up, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things what passed away. Look, it's going to go away. Yeah. And that's probably one of the most beautiful pieces of scripture that's in there. Is that that's just such a glorious promise for those that are in Christ. Oh, and how about how about this other promise? The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and there will be tormented when James uh it'll be destroyed, right? Right. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> tormented day and night forever and ever. Yep. Uh, there is no annihilationism. Uh, you know, it, it, there's no universalism. And, you know, I'm really surprised that at the um, – it seems to be a big movement going around now with annihilationism. Uh, universalism's coming around just because people want to bask in their sin. The devil and his angels are going to be cast. Death and Hades, in other words, death, death is going to be – suffering is going to be gone. Except for those who aren't in Christ. Your suffering hasn't even started. If this is your best life now, James – this is all the heaven that you would have known. And you are going to <laughs> hell. Yeah. Here's the thing. This is, this, is, this is really where the nuts and bolts is. What should we do? We need to develop a sound theology of suffering. And, and my first premise to that is we respond differently than the lost. And that goes back to what we said at the very beginning. The very first scripture that you actually quoted is because we have a hope of eternity. Yeah. So... Number two, use your suffering as an opportunity to show empathy. In other words, what you've gone through and you see someone else going through it, you help them through it. And then uh, number three, show compassion to those who are suffering. It's very easy to to mock and make fun of uh, those who, who are going through uh, problems and, and have issues. It, it becomes so show compassion to those who are suffering. So, uh, again, I, I want to point out um, a, a good book on suffering is that of uh, R.C. Sproul, Surprised by Suffering. It's an, it's an excellent, uh, excellent book to, to read on that. 
All right. Well, folks, this, again, this has been Frank Mullis here with us on the Five Solos podcast. It's been a pleasure having him. Um, of course it is. Yeah, of course it is. And, and you know, I'm, I'm a little bit... Uh, I'm a little bit fortunate that I get to have the guy in my life a pretty good bit. He's over at my house right now. He took me out to dinner a little bit ago. This so this, I, this house you got? Right yeah, that, that, the house that I had no faith in getting. Uh, <laughs> but, guys, at the very beginning, I said that uh, that I was going to tell you how you could win some free stuff from Grace Alone Witness Apparel. That's our parent ministry to the Five Solas podcast. So right now, if you are listening to this, you've made it this far. Thank you. I hope you got something out of it. But we need your help. We need help to uh, to ensure the growth of the Five Solas podcast. We are getting a lot of reviews a lot of friend requests a lot of lights and all on the page but what we could really use your help with is going on there and liking the page sharing the page leaving us a rating giving us a review and the same thing on your favorite podcast app so what we're going to do is whoever leaves us a rating and a review on the five soulless podcast facebook page we're going to send week, you a flying demon baby we are going to send you a flying demon baby courtesy of andrew rapaport of the rap report striving for eternity ministries i'm kidding no flying demon babies i think they're too big to put into a package uh but what we're going to do is if you go onto our facebook page if you like the page share the page um really the big thing if you leave us a rating and a review what we're going to do is put you into a draw and what I'm going to do is next week, um, I will announce on our Facebook page who the winner of that is. I'll get your information. We'll send you two free t-shirts. We'll let you pick out the design. We'll send you 100 free gospel tracks. Great way for you to start conversations for the gospel and to share the gospel with strangers. So, Frank, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. So, Because one of my biggest things on the podcast is I hope unbelievers listen to it. I hope Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, atheists, agnostics, I hope they listen to it. Uh, they seem to come looking for believers so that they can disprove God. But one thing I always want to do is share the gospel of Jesus Christ on the podcast. So to close us out, can you tell us exactly what the gospel is? No. (laughs) Wow. I hope he doesn't do that in the pulpit tomorrow. (laughs) Jesus Christ came as a perfect lamb of God to a little manger, left his home in glory, humbled himself to live a perfect life. And he did that for 33 years. He went to suffer on a cross for sinners. He died on the cross for sin. And he also died so that his people could receive his righteousness. And so we are justified by faith through Christ. So when we, we repent of our sins and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be saved. All right. Well, I don't think you can get any clearer than that, right? And I think honestly, we got a we got a podcast that we could do on uh, speaking about repentance and faith, right? Yes, we, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna deal with that issue. Um, you know, the the question the question is, when do we repent? Really? Right. I mean, and that's what it boils down. If we believe in our hearts, confess with our mouth, that we shall be saved. And the question is, what gives us the ability to do that? Right. And I think that's going to be a great episode later on down the line. I think it's going to challenge a lot of us to think things a little bit through a little bit more thoroughly. Guys, for the uh, coming up in the month of, what is it? What's the month coming up? Uh, April. April. So coming up in the month of April, I am going to be releasing five episodes of the Five Solos podcast. We're going to be going through Tulip. You like Tulip, don't you, Frank? I, I love Tulips. All right. So Total Depravity, Unconditional Election, Limited Atonement. And I, I found it on the uh, podcast last week. I forgot to say Irresistible Grace. That's a part of Tulip and Perseverance of the Saints. I, 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 I like saying effectual calling. 
Yeah, and we're going to go over that because R.C. Sproul actually had, uh, in the in the videos and all I've watched of him, he actually changed every single one of the letters to what he believed was a proper proper wording for it. We're going to talk about that. We're going to go through all five points of the doctrines of grace. I'm looking forward to that. Guys, it has been an absolute pleasure. I hope that you got a lot out of this episode talking about the theology of suffering with the almost Dr. Reverend Pastor Frank Mullis. Hope to have him on a good bit more. He only lives 20 minutes from me. Shouldn't be that big of a deal. But guys, thank you so much for listening. This is James with the Five Souls Podcast, and may all that you do be done to the glory of God.